Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Reconomy Podcast, where we discuss economic issues that impact real estate, housing, and affordability. I'm Odetta Kushi, Deputy Chief Economist at First American, and here with me is Mark Fleming, Chief Economist at First American. Hey, Mark. You know, I think a lot of people out there are wondering if it's financially a better option to rent or to buy, right? To rent or to buy, that is the question. And I'm hoping today that we can help those people figure out just how to make that calculation. Hi, Odetta. Yes, rent or buy. That is the age-old question. And I think every first-time home buyer potentially asks that question of themselves. I know I did. I'm guessing you did. And of course, now with house prices soaring at 17 plus percent, according to our data in May, year over year, and breaking records in terms of appreciation, not to mention the fact that there's nothing you can buy out there because the inventory is low and affordability has been declining according to RHPI for the last three months. Why on earth would anyone want to buy in this scenario? And I imagine a lot of first-time homebuyers, as you mentioned, are trying to make this calculation. It seems difficult out there, and so they're trying to figure out, you know, on a month-over-month basis, does it make sense for me to keep renting, or does it make sense for me to buy a home? So weighing that monthly cost of renting versus owning is really a key factor in making that decision. And by the way, as we've discussed in prior episodes, the decision to buy a home is not just a financial one, but also a lifestyle decision. But today, we're actually just going to focus on the financial decision of renting versus owning. That's right. And, you know, we might want to start with this concept of, you know, rational economic thinker, which we know exists in all of us, right? Super rational. But, so, super <laughs> rational. Um, but what most people basically do, or at least start with, is they say, right, well, how much would it cost me per month in my mortgage and other things versus renting? So it's the simple c- calculation of my rent payment versus my mortgage payment, right? Exactly. So we start off with that very basic math. We just compare the median rent to the monthly costs of owning a home. And remember, there are multiple costs of, of that homeowners have to pay that renters do not, including taxes, repairs, homeowners insurance, and of course, your monthly mortgage payment. So the analysis that we ran, and this is looking at Q1 2021, we create a monthly cost profile for a hypothetical first-time homebuyer using the average 30-year fixed rate mortgage and a assuming a 5% down payment on a home at the 25th percentile sale price. Now, you might be asking, why not the median sale price? Why the 25th percentile? Well, that's because a first-time home buyer is much more likely to buy a less expensive home. And so we wanted to do this analysis for that hypothetical potential first-time home buyer. And what we found is that after accounting for total monthly homeownership costs for a hypothetical first-time home buyer and comparing it with the median rent by market, renting was a better financial choice in 29 out of the top 50 markets in the first quarter of 2021. So some of these markets where it was better to rent included Austin, Boston, that rhymed, Austin, Boston, and Chicago. And it was better to own in places like Virginia Beach and Tampa, Florida. Now, as I mentioned, an example where it was better to rent was Austin, Texas. In Austin, the median rent was just over $1,300, while the median monthly payment to own the 25th percentile home was nearly $2,000. But as always with us, I imagine this isn't the whole story. Aha, of course not. We're not done yet. Think about, if you rent a home from somebody, remember all that house price appreciation we were just referring to? Who gets all the benefit of that? It's your landlord. If you're a homeowner, though, 
you would get the benefit of all of that house price appreciation. So the major financial advantage of home ownership is the accumulation of equity in the form of house price appreciation. And when you start to factor that in over, say, the last 12 months, so just take one year of owning, what would be the benefit in that cost scenario of owning based upon the equity gains averaged over those months? We start to find some very, very different answers. Not necessarily that we will always have 70% house price appreciation, but we have to take into account the fact that that shelter that you're owning is an equity generating or wealth generating asset. Absolutely. And we do have some interesting findings because once you include the equity benefit of price appreciation, we find that owning made more financial sense than renting in all top 50 metro areas. And the last time we ran this analysis for the year 2020, there were actually two holdout markets where it was still better to rent, and that was San Francisco and San Jose. But faster nominal house price appreciation brought those markets onto the own side of the equation in 2021. So going back to our Austin, Texas example, as a refresher, the median rent was just over $1,300, but now the appreciation adjusted monthly cost to own a home goes from nearly $2,000 to negative $1,000. That's the benefit of equity. And what do we mean? What do we mean by negative monthly payment, Mark? <laughs> what? How could I make a negative monthly payment or the cost is negative? Yes. It's a benefit. The home is paying you to live in it. Now, we've had really good house price appreciation, so it's not that surprising that that might be the case relative to your monthly costs and interest rates are low, so the actual costs of ownership are much lower. But the benefit of appreciation is outweighing the costs in so many places that it's paying you to be an owner. Now, keep in mind, Rent growth has picked up in the last in the second quarter of 2021 and our latest available data from April and May suggests that rents are up. So this calculation is constantly changing over time. And why is that? Because, you know, theoretically, remember our economically rational person here, theoretically, renting and owning are what we as economists call substitute goods. Um, I need a roof over my head that gives me the utility of shelter. And whether I rent that roof or I buy that home to get that roof, you get the same utility of shelter. Um, but theoretically then, any differences ultimately should be adjusted out between the rental prices or the rents per month versus the cost of ownership per month. And that has to happen either in the form of rising rents, as we're actually seeing in many markets today, or possibly slower or even falling house price appreciation. But of course, that's all theoretical. And again, buying a home is not just a financial decision, but also a lifestyle decision. And there are certainly reasons to remain a renter. I'll just say that a couple days ago, my dishwasher broke and I called my building maintenance and they came in and they replaced it the next day. I have no idea how to replace my dishwasher. So that was certainly a perk of being a renter. That's not necessarily the case when you buy your home. And then of course, there are transaction and settlement costs associated with buying a home that you have to consider. 
Yeah, it doesn't cost nothing to become a homeowner in terms of facilitating that purchase transaction. There are these transaction and settlement costs which cover all sorts of other aspects of actually becoming a homeowner. Um, but they're all charged as one-time fees. So if you spread those fees over the life of ownership, which those who've listened to our podcast know the tenure length is now over 10 years, you spread that one-time cost of becoming a homeowner over 10 years. Remember the old adage? that everyone said, as long as you live in your home for at least a few years, you will recoup those costs. And of course, when house price appreciation is going up so much faster, like it is now, that happens even faster. So the costs of transacting are relatively small compared to the benefits that you gain of owning, particularly when your user cost is negative or a benefit. Right. The home gives you equity. We can't overstate that. It won't always be 17% year-over-year growth, but homeownership has proved itself to be a primary driver of wealth creation over time, and we have the data to show it. Yeah, I think one of the most amazing stats that I've come across in my my tenure uh, working as a real estate economist is really measuring the benefits of wealth creation of homeownership. You have to remember that this is a leveraged asset. You know, you buy your home in this example with 5% down. Effectively, that's a 20 to 1 leverage ratio. Most Wall Street banks would die to be able to do 20 to 1 leverage ratios. If your home goes up by 5%, you've doubled your money, 100% gain. So the wealth generating capacity is amazing. And just to put some real stats on this, in 2019, in the survey of consumer finances, the median homeowner had 40 times the household wealth of a renter. That's $255,000 for the owner compared to only $6,000 for the renter. Home ownership is one of the best sources of wealth creation. And I think what's even more interesting is that homeowners are wealthier than renters at every income level. And the majority of homeowner wealth comes from housing for every income category except for the very top earners. So. again, putting some numbers to this, for the lowest income group, the median net worth of homeowner households is just over $100,000. But for renter households, it's only $1,500. At the lowest income category, 92% of total homeowner net worth is tied to the value of residential property. And between 2016 and 2019, housing wealth was the single biggest contributor to the increase in net worth across all income groups, accounting for over 30% of that overall increase. And this was especially true of lower income households. And I think this is really important to note that it's across the income spectrum. Not only is it across the income spectrum, but as you say, it's even more dramatic at lower levels. This is why from a public policy perspective, there is often so much focus on affordable housing and home ownership and creating the opportunity for everyone to become a homeowner because the benefits are so large. In fact, you look at housing wealth for the low income people, 75% of their total assets comes from being a homeowner. As compared to when you're in the higher income buckets, it drops down to 34%. You have much more other sources in the stock market and other places. So home ownership as the wealth is almost the only source of wealth generation for lower income households. And of course, there are certainly risks from home ownership and its benefits are not uniform across geographies. However, it seems for the majority of households that transition into home ownership, the most recent data reinforces that housing is one of the biggest positive drivers of wealth creation. And once including the benefit of house price appreciation in the monthly cost of home ownership, it can often make more financial sense to own than to rent. 
By the way, all of this data can be found on our Econ Center. And as always, thank you for joining us on this episode of the Reconomy podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can also sign up for our blog at firstam.com economics. And if you can't wait for the next episode, please follow us on Twitter. It's at Odetokushi for me and at M Fleming Econ for Mark. Until next time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Reconomy podcast from First American. For even more economic content, visit firstam.com slash economics. This episode is copyright 2021 by First American Financial Corporation. All rights reserved. For more information, visit us at firstam.com.